0: Wake your ass up!
1: And we're the three best friends that anybody could have.
0: It's time.
2: You were t- I mean, Sean, you were twerking. That's gonna
1: happen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Murph, don't be a dick all your life. This is uh, one of the, one of the more fun podcasts I've ever done. Hey,
1: I tell you what, if you're not talking about sports in the man cave, you
0: no, I bet I said you out of bed. That's it. <laughs> Now, that is an open we can all agree with and uh, take pride in. Yes, episode 43, as we promised in episode 41 and 42, there were going to be some changes, some upgrades. Beyonce would be proud. Episode 43, we're going to take a different turn away from sports, but we will talk about Longhorn football in episode two. Coach Mo joining us, Big Mike, out in Carolina with his wife on vacation. But we do have a guest co-host, a good friend, a friend of the program, Dave Ramirez from the Cover 3, Cover 2 Ownership Group. He is the GM of the Cover 3 off of Anderson Lane. Big Dave, joining us from the attic of Cover 3 on Anderson Lane. What's going on? Man, glad to have you, and... I have to tell you and Coach Mo, the reason, well, you guys know, but the reason why Dave is joining us today on episode 43, because we want to talk about bourbon and cigars and the fine whiskey market that is growing in Texas. Coach Mo and Big Dave, or just Dave, uh, connoisseurs of bourbon, whiskey, and cigars. Is that uh, a fair statement? I would say
2: that's
0: a fair statement. Coach Mo? Oh, yeah. That's absolutely fair. I love bourbon on a hot day or on a cold day. (laughs) So, to give you guys our social media or how to get in touch with us, jump on Twitter, follow us on @stories_mancave. Also, uh, shoot us an email, storiesinsidethemancavepodcast at gmail.com. First off, bourbon, the whiskey – How did both of you guys, we'll start off with Dave, how did both of you guys guys, really really... take an interest in both the bourbon and whiskey? And what really motivated you guys to uh, take an extreme deeper interest in bourbon and whiskey?
2: So I think for me it was the fact that it's just kind of like a vodka. You've got so many different types out there. You've got so many different flavors that that join in. you know how they're made, what their mash feels like. Are they using a, uh, you know, 100% yellow corn or, or white corn, or you know, is it a four grain? Is it a single grain? It, it's is it a single barrel? Is it a small batch? It is. It's just a huge realm of all different types, and I think that's the great thing about bourbon and/or whiskey, is that the flavor profile that you can get from each individual one is just completely <laughs> different. Huh.
0: Coach Moe, how long have you been the connoisseur of bourbon and whiskey?
1: So I've been enjoying whiskey for quite some time, you know, all the way back to uh, like college days, you know, but I really didn't have a great appreciation of it until I met a, a good friend of mine, uh, Donovan Simmons, that kind of introduced me to different types of bourbons. And so, you know, with me being a history guy, I love history. Just the mere fact of, like, how bourbon, like, how far back it goes, you know, all the way back to the moonshine days and how it evolved into all these different, you know, like what Dave said earlier, the way it's processed and all these things. Like, bourbon has, is so interlinked with American history, it's amazing. Like, people just don't realize how much, how far back, like, whiskey in general just goes back like it goes back to the almost to the birth of this nation like it has so much history and it's intertwined with us that it's amazing you just don't know how far you know how far removed we all are from you know bourbons and whiskeys and all this good stuff it's just amazing man even the process of it and all the way down to the color of it you know one being aged you know maybe two years older than another one you have a different color a different taste different everything. Everything about it could be in the same s- distillery but aged a little bit longer or, you know, the weather was a little bit different in this region. So, it gives it a whole different type of taste, man. So, it's amazing. I just enjoy the process mm-hmm. of a bourbon and the way it tastes because it tastes so good.
0: Now, the reason why we chose this, I mean, I thought you, Coach Moe, and, and Dave uh, Ramirez, cover three, cover two – Um, ownership group uh, the GM of store on Anderson Lane uh, that being cover three pun intended I thought you guys would be a good pairing on this because you guys of your interest in bourbon and whiskeys now when we you, you guys both hit up on the history what all goes into it and so, when we think of bourbons and whiskeys, we honestly think about Tennessee, Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, all those areas in Virginia. Virginia. Uh, uh, but there's one in high Texas, and even Big Mike is well aware of it. Uh, too bad he's not here to enjoy this, to conversation, enjoy this conversation. But, but it's a growing industry in, in Texas, right?
2: You know, it really is. The, you're talking about Garrison Brothers out in high Texas. Uh, and to be honest with you, that it, I was not a fan of their product years ago. And uh, I made it very clear to a couple of the guys out there that I've met over the over the years. And, uh, you know, what I liked most about meeting them uh, and Donis, the master distiller, they owned up to it. They were like, yeah, you know, we did not have a good product at the very beginning. And, you know, it's taken time. And you know, just like with anything else, they've learned how to adjust their process. They've learned what kind of product they want to put out. Uh, and, you know, actually in, in talking with Donis, I actually played golf with him a couple of weeks ago. And uh, just going over the process of what he does every single morning. He does a full one hour just cleansing of his mouth for one full hour of, you know, rinsing, rinsing and, and brushing his teeth and what, you know whatever else he does. And for the first four hours of his day, starting at four a.m. till eight a.m., nothing touches his mouth except for their whiskey. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's funny that you mentioned that because you know the the littlest thing can throw off the taste. You know, <laughs> it it it's you. amazing how that works. You know, even if you eat something, you know, eat something spicy or don't eat anything spicy. You have breakfast or something like that, but something in that taste can offset the natural flavor that's in that bourbon.
0: Now for an amateur like me, I, I, you know, I'm a vodka and wine guy, but essentially still in the elementary stages, but to truly for those listening and want to explore, not only the Texas bourbon and whiskey market, but, what are the recommendations? Maybe follow your footsteps, Dave and Coach Mo, how to get involved and really explore whiskeys and bourbons. How would one go about that? What's the best advice you can give anyone? The best advice
2: I could give anybody
0: to just starting out, don't
2: don't seek out the most expensive, hard to find stuff just yet. Right. <laughs> get, yourself, get yourself acclimated with there's some really good stuff out there you can start off with. Uh, balcones also out of Texas. Uh, yeah. Still, Austin, out of here in in Texas. If you wanted to start there, um, but you know, there's plenty of really, really good bottles you can find on the shelf day to day. Um, as as going through Coach Mo's Instagram the other day, he's kind of like me. He's got some some rare, hard to find stuff. You know, some yeah. IW Harper 15. I heard he. I saw you had some Kentucky Owl. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> But you know, I didn't want to stalk you, Coach Mo. But uh, I had to do—I had to do a little bit. You know, you got to do some research, uh, but, man. <laughs> you know, like I said, there's just so much good bourbon out there to start out with. You can start with well under thirty dollars, yeah. um, and honestly, even Jim Beam is—is is Jim Beam is a well pretty much anywhere you go. But it's a really good product, and it's made the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, rather than aging at 10 to 15 years, it's just put out there and distilled. But uh, you know, again, good products. You can get aged to Jim Beam, but you know, Eagle Rare, which is not really too hard to find. It's less than $30. It should be less than $30. Um, You know, Larceny. You know, Coach Moe and I consider probably name off. Oh, man. Hundreds of
1: them. Too. <laughs> Hundreds of them. Yeah, you know that you you hit a good point. Like eagle rare, is definitely you know a good one to kind of taste your palate out and you know see what you like. Because uh, I would recommend don't go and try to find like the the pappies and you know the go and purchase the whistle pig because some of this stuff is like really extremely overpriced too, <laughs> and you'll go spend an arm and a leg to try to get some of this high stuff to try to show off, but start off small introduce yourself to some some nice you know that's some good bourbons out there that's not that expensive like Johnny drum that's a really good you know spicy uh, bourbon that's really good and you can get it for like you know less than 40 45 50 bucks and it's a good bourbon and then you know it, it tastes just as good as you know you know the weller 12 the the antique the 107 and all this other stuff so <clears throat> that's good bourbons out there that you can try, you know, to kind of start off. You know, if you don't like the the hundred proof, you know, go to like a a ninety or something like that, and just kind of gradually work your way in, and um, until you get a you know
0: put on your big boy draws, and then you can put on. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know uh, both of you, Coach Mo and Dave. You both, uh, you guys are uh, artists as far as. Instagram posts with the bourbon or whiskey and the call glasses. And I think what's the right terminology with the, the ice ball, you know, inside the call glass and you guys, you guys are either sitting a certain way or it's just a good piece of artwork on, on Instagram. You guys are really painting the picture of winding down the day, especially on a Friday, uh, including a cigar, perhaps. Now what I've heard over and over is, to really appreciate a bourbon and, and, or whiskey, your goal is not to get hammy faced. Is that accurate? For me,
2: it's accurate. I'm having a glass of bourbon when I get home, I typically like to pour it neat first. Uh, yeah. For me, the hotter the better. Uh, uh-huh. Anything over a hundred is is what I prefer. I like the one twenty plus. Yes. Uh, and you know, before I even put an ice cube in it before I even dab a couple of drops of water into it to kind of open it up and let the florals come out. Uh, I like to just taste it straight just the way it is. And what I like to do for me personally, I like to just let it sit on my tongue for a second so that I can try to get all the flavors coming out of what I'm actually tasting. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree.
2: yeah, Yeah. Then you can adjust it after that.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You definitely, you know, I've had, (laughs) this is a funny story. I had a buddy of mine come to my house one time and, you know, he's at my bar. He's, 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 you know, making himself a drink or whatever. And I noticed he kept going back and back and back. And I was like, you know, what are you doing? He's like, man, this, this whiskey you got back here is really, really good. I was like, okay. I was like, are you mixing it with Coke? He was like, yeah. I was like, what what are you mixing with Coke? Which one is it? And it was my Boss Hog. I was like, "What are you doing? You don't mix Boss Hog bourbon with Coke, man." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. So so that's a good piece of advice. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that.
1: I, you know, it's it's all based about preference. I enjoy the hotness. I'm like Dave. I enjoy the hotness. The hottest, the hotter, the better. And I like to go. You know neat all the way. And eventually as the day progresses, you know, I may do one, two drops of water. I may put like a very small, you know, little ice cube in there. Uh, but you know, the hotter the better for me. And you know, I'm not getting wasted. I'm not getting shitty. I'm just I'm sipping it smooth because right. it's a smooth drink and you you take it in slowly.
2: And like even for me, like if you know if I'm doing yard work and I know I got beer, well, the beers for, you know, when I'm cutting the grass, but then I have the glass of whiskey over on the side, and I just go back to that, and I'll sip on that. And exactly. I can sip on a glass of whiskey for an hour and a half, two hours.
0: Yeah, me too. Yep. So just like wine, whiskey and bourbon, it's all about the flavor notes. I, I know Correct. we don't have enough time to uh, go through each. What, what are all the, the critical imperative flavor notes that amateurs such as myself – who may be listening, who y- y- your advice on trying to experience all of the different flavor notes that whiskeys and bourbons have to offer.
2: If I were to just pick a few of them that you would just kind of hit off of caramel, toasted oak, yep. um, heater. And I, think I already brought up the, the smoke, um, yes. yeah, the, the sweetness, So, like, Blanton's is probably one of my favorites. That's just got the perfect sweet note for me. Um, But, again, it's just kind of like what Coach Moe and I were talking about. Don't go try to find that one. It should be about $50. I've seen it in town for way more. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, uh, you know, those are the notes that you're going to typically find. Caramel, uh, the oak, sweetness, uh, and the smoky. Yeah, and the smoke. And then as you start tasting it, like when you when you start to get that pepper, so so there's I'll give you a perfect example on. So what I look for in a bourbon, I look for body. You know, I want it to sit on my tongue. I want it to be like a merlotist to a cab, or even a pinot noir. Pinot noir to me, it's just like drinking flavored water. Yeah. You know, a merlot, I'm actually getting substance.
0: Right. Uh, You
2: know, so smoke wagon out of Las Vegas, they have a phenomenal uh bourbon uncut unfiltered specs yeah. just did a private barrel with them and it's really good but it's there's to me it's nobody it literally just comes in you taste it and it's gone yeah. it doesn't linger um and i like it to linger yeah
0: now seeing that's the holiday season we've officially started that thanksgiving christmas um I know we're social distancing, and that kind of limits it, but uh, businesses are open. There are tastings. Do either of you have, um, I don't know, some information of places to go in the Austin area or for tastings that uh, that you're aware of? Because I know Specs will do those occasionally, I think. Yeah. I I know of,
1: um, you know, there's a couple – uh, Mixology like bars in Austin that really have really good selections and their bartenders kind of know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, one is Pache. They have a really good selection of of of, of like bourbons, and you know, some of they guys know their stuff a little bit. And from time to time, they do like some tasting. But there's a uh, there's that private place called Here Nor There that usually would do like some some tastings here and there but it's like you know it's like a members only kind of deal uh but funny enough <laughs> i'm not trying to hype up cover 3 but you guys do have a a good selection there too like the last time I've, i went i was like okay yeah to, yeah
2: back there hiding. so i've been working on the the bourbon selection here at cover 3 for years now
0: um
2: <laughs> I think the great part for me, obviously being in this industry, I can just call up specs and just get something
0: yeah.
2: that I'm looking for. And, and it, not every time because they are hard to find, but uh, like a new one that I'm on right now is uh, at out of Grapevine, wow. Texas. It's a, it's a four grain mm-hmm. uh, and it is just phenomenal right now. And, you know, you can find it expect it's about 50, 55 bucks, but you know, that would be a great starter. Uh, there's a great story behind it as well a lot of a lot of the bourbons have great stories behind them so uh but yeah come on down we got plenty over here too i got some old Fitzgerald we got i do uh, yeah we get um what did i just pick up this week oh i just picked up the uh it came out on september 2nd but i just finally got one this week the uh old Forester birthday oh
1: yes baby that's a
2: good one (laughs) I just got it uh Tuesday so it's not even open coach mo I think that's uh <laughs> yeah that's a special occasion to. yeah <laughs> I think you can come open it up with me and we'll uh, give it a little taste hey okay. you know what and I guarantee true
1: true bourbon drinkers they they would understand what I'm about to say I guarantee Dave probably has a couple bottles in his cabinet that are like you know, probably anywhere from three to four years old. Like we have bourbon that just sits there that you only go to for like certain occasions. You got that one that you go to when you, you know, you just made a, uh, you know, you sealed a big deal at the job. You got another one where someone in the family just got some good news. You got a one in there, you know, that's for this occasion. There's, I got bourbons in my, in my cabinet that's been sitting there. I think my oldest one may be, my Elijah Craig twenty-one year that's sitting there for about five years now. Five years, five years. It's been sitting there. It's been halfway gone, but it's been sitting there for five years.
2: So I got two bottles at home, but I've probably got about one and a half, two drinks left out of. I've got a Black Maple Hill Red Label Ooh, uh, wow. just before they went to Oregon. Wow, wow. probably got about two, two drinks left of that one, and uh, also Rock Hill Farms. Got about oh, yeah. two drinks left in that one, which, funny enough, the, the mash bill in the Rock Hill Farms is the exact same as the same mash bill in the uh, Elmer T. Lee 100 year anniversary that came out earlier this year, um, which is an interesting fact. But uh, it's it's really good, and I'm, you know, something really good's got to happen for me to go finish that Black Maple <laughs> and Red Label. And I've got the purple and the green label, but they're different bottles. So when, when, Black Maple, or, uh, when Black Maple Hill moved to Oregon, the juice is just a lot different from their, their California distillery. So,
0: Hey, before we uh, take a quick break and we'll wrap up segment one of uh, episode 43 of Stories Inside the Man Cave, um, we'll talk about cigars and Longhorn football. And, of course, get, uh, we'll know, get to know Dave a little more, and maybe he has a man cave story for us. Uh, because cigars are a good pairing as well. But before we hit this break, any Cover Three specials coming up during this holiday season that you're aware of, or maybe planning?
2: Uh, well, so right now we're doing uh, a seafood special every week, and they're just kind of letting me and the chef play. And <laughs> right now we've got a <laughs> we've got a blackened snapper right now over a white wine risotto rice, amazing uh, with a. Grilled asparagus and a uh, caper mustard sauce over the top—it's just unbelievable right now. And it's it's wild caught snapper from uh, Costa Rica.
0: That sounds absolutely delicious. Uh, In fact, I didn't have
2: great with a bourbon. (laughs) Oh
0: God, I I see us getting together very soon, um, probably tomorrow, and uh, having dinner at Cover Three and some uh, bourbon whiskey hearing so lots more to look forward to on the other side of this break and uh that's the man right there dave ramirez coach mo big mike and the carolinas with his wife will hit up segment two on the other side of this break hey guys this is
1: mike from last Stand hats wanted to uh give a give a quick shout out to helmets for helmets an organization that helps out young who have epilepsy? Reach out to them. Cool Foundation. All the money goes to helping get helmets uh, are themed for fire. You know, mainly NFL to other kids who you know are having seizures and, and need protective gear, but want to look cool and, and and fashionable with their favorite team as they do it. So check them out. Helmets for helmets on Instagram, Twitter. Feel free to donate. It's a great cause. Again, that's helmets for helmets.
0: Welcome back to episode forty-three of Stories Inside the Man Cave. In case uh, you were not aware, I'm not sure who Dave Ramirez is. He's the esteemed GM of Cover Three in Austin, Texas uh, restaurant. There, there's several of them. Well, there's quite a few actually uh, here and in San Antonio. Cover Two, all part of the group. Um, Dave Ramirez, we were talking about, uh, because you're an expertise, you're a connoisseur of bourbon and whiskey. Um, Pairing with cigars, and before we talk about Longhorn football, uh, cigars. We had Eric Metcalf, a Longhorn legend, on a about 10, 12 episodes ago, and and he is a cigar connoisseur. What are your go-to cigars in which you would recommend people like me, again, amateurs – you got amateur hour over here, uh, a, a great cigar, the progression of cigars to try and pair with bourbons.
2: My go-to for me is a part 1845. Um, uh, there's, you know, same thing, just kind of with, with bourbon and whiskey, you have a plethora. Yeah. Um, Monte Cristo's are good. Uh, Arturo Fuentes, if you can ever find the Arturo Fuentes Opus X, which typically comes out right now is the season for that. And Pipe World here in Austin and Round Rock, they're building a new Pipe World out there, uh, which is right off McNeil. Uh, and it's going to be a standalone too, which is really oh, nice. Wow. Uh, you know, the good thing about going into Pipe World for me personally, they're really knowledgeable, they're really friendly, they're where they help you out. And they're the ones that can be able to walk you through. Uh, just because like with, with bourbon and whiskey, you have different flavor profiles. You know, some, some guys like a spicy cigar uh, with a thick draw, or, you know, some people don't like that. And just because they think, well, the skin or the wrapper rather on the cigar is a certain color, that it's going to change the fl- flavor profile. That's really not the case. It's it's basically what kind of tobacco is on the inside. Right. Um, H. Upman's are really good. Um, yeah, it just, yeah, oh, God, there's so many nubs, <laughs> Camacho's. David Offs, uh just they're all over Romeo and Julietas. Yeah, um, but for for if I I I usually keep about ten to twelve at the house. of uh, Punch,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which to me, if you're coming over and you haven't really smoked a cigar before, I think punch is a great cigar to get someone started. Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's sage advice. You know, that, that's what Eric uh, Metcalf he, he mentioned that as well. Um, football season, cold weather, bourbons, whiskeys, and cigars to me, go hand in hand. Have As far as a Longhorn game day when you're not managing the fine staff at uh, Cover 3 and the daily operations, have you found yourself watching Longhorn football and a good glass of whiskey, bourbon, and a cigar in hand? Uh, I hate to disappoint you.
2: I have not <laughs> seen any UT football this year uh, <laughs> other than being here at the restaurant uh, making sure that we're good to go for it. Right. Um, I wish the fans weren't so fickle. Yeah. Uh man, UT U T loses one game and it's half the business the next week. It's like, come on, man. It, you gotta stay in support.
0: It's definitely it's definitely uh the MO of Texas fans. The passion is there. And you know I one of my golden rules has always been don't blame the fans, but You know, it's always fire this person. And on Twitter every week, it's somebody gets fired or unfired from uh, – even during one game. Somebody could get fired on Twitter, unfired. Um, It's funny you brought up the fans because I've had a lot of conversations. Some of them I instigated. Some of them were uh, unsolicited because of people questioning whether or not Tom Herman's the right guy in year four. I won't name the person. Uh, I try never to name sources. But this individual who has a, some talented uh, D1-type student athletes in high school right now, they're on their way to be a D1-type D1 talents, they said because of the UT fans' negativity um, – Actually, there were two different parents. They said the same thing because it was a group discussion here. Said that they'll never allow their kids to play at football at Texas due to the, quote, shitty fan base on social media. Now, I thought that was a little – a bit much, if you're going to judge. If a young person wants to – that's the school or program. But they said it's just – it's the sheep and the wolf. And they eat their own, so to speak. And what are your thoughts on that? From the outside, being a guy who caters to a lot of uh, Longhorn fans, and you're a football fan yourself.
2: So, I would, well, first of all, though, the the issue with what you were saying, a parent would say about their child not playing at UT uh, because of the, the keyboard warriors, essentially, on, on Twitter, uh, you got to block all that out. You know, yeah. haters are going to hate, uh, and social media has given everybody a platform to, to have a, an opinion. Now, we all know what opinions are. Everybody's got one, right? Right. We don't even need to go there. Um, you know, that being said, you know, if, if you take what people say on social media to, to run your life or how you're going to do it, you know, we got different problems. And unfortunately, that's just the world we live in today uh, because it is so polarized. If you do something wrong on the field, right. I mean, instantly someone could be tweeting about you while you're still on the field. You could be getting off the turf from a bad play and someone's already tweeting at you how bad that play was. And it's just like, you yeah, let these, let these people play, you know? And and you've known this seeing, I've been on the sidelines as long as you've been, you know, I'm, I'm not one to yell and scream at a television right. and be like, Oh, you should have called this player. You shouldn't have ran this player. <laughs> but there's so many people out there. And it's like, well, you know, let the professionals do it. That's, that's why yeah. they're there. You know, they didn't put coach Sherman in there because he was just a uh, nobody, yeah. you know? Yeah. You know, also, after four years, I think people expected a lot more, and that's okay that we're not there yet. But you know, if I, I just I'm afraid that UT is going to get into a cycle of well, if you haven't done anything in three or four years, time to go. That's yeah. like what well, you got to let the guy get his groove going, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's uh, as Coach Mo is rejoining us. He had to take care of some business here, but I think you you offer a good segue here. A lot of people even Matt Brown's first three or four years weren't to the liking of the Texas fan base, even though it was remarkably improved from what had occurred um, years prior to when Mac Brown took over in 98, Charlie strong, three years, three straight seven lost seasons, which I understand somewhat the change there, but that fourth year uh, could have been different. But so now, The reason why I'm bringing this up, it's a vicious cycle to just bring in coaches three or four years and then buy them out, bring in a whole new regime. Everyone's on this urban Meyer kick. A lot of people saying, and uh, I've heard some people that I, I trust say that if Tom Herman doesn't win the big 12 championship, he's gone, but I don't have any reason to firmly believe that. So Here's something interesting for you guys to ponder, Coach Mo and, and, and Dave Ramirez, cover three uh, GM. Dabo Sweeney's record at Clemson, first four seasons, 28-19. and 19. Tom Herman in year four, 30-17. It was that fifth year when Dabo Sweeney's program just shot off and hasn't looked back. I know we're just records, but do you guys see Tom Herman having the same type of success if he's around year five and moving forward, beginning with you, Coach Mo, or Dave? Or Dave.
1: No, I don't think he can mimic the success that Dabo Sweeney has has had. You know, we've talked about this before in the show. You have to be – know, when you're the head coach at the University of Texas, <clears throat> it's almost like you have to be a really good politician. You have to be able to maneuver your way through the, yeah. you know, the higher B powers at the University of Texas, you know, because there's some, there's some big money guys that surround here, you know, that, you know, can sway people here or there uh, just because of their affiliation. Um, I, Herman – it, Herman is one of those coaches that's are probably a really good, phenomenal coordinator, but not a really good head coach. If that makes sense, you
0: know. It, same it, can be said about Charlie Strong. Same can be said about Charlie Strong. Exactly.
1: You know, I, there's you know, there's always chiefs and Indians. You know, the old saying: not everyone can be the chief. You know, so it's always like you have to find your role, find your niche that you're good at. Because he's innovative when it comes to you know, offenses and stuff like that, giving him the right personnel, he can come up with some creative stuff. Uh, but I just don't think he has that capacity to control a whole organization and all the moving parts that come with that. Because you got to manage person, you know, personnel, right. all the characters that come on a team. You know, you, when you're dealing with a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-old young men, you got a lot of different characters right there.
2: Well, and I think what you just said, I've never heard it put that way, but you it was spot on you got to be the best politician out there because not only do you have to go into a locker room, lead men, you've got the backside of it, which u t it's a little more stressful because you've got to go on television on Sunday night with the longhorn network, and then you've got what's uh, the Monday rewind, correct yeah. right you got um I mean, so on top of being a coach, you've got to be a face for television, you've got to be. The right guy that has the answers for your bosses you know the the board members that that pay your salary and then you got to be uh you got to be a good person on television after the game for an interview for the rest of the world to see you know so you've got a you've got a lot of different moving parts um and like coach Mo said you got you got to be a good politician you got to play all the realms of it
0: so so Texas is off this week, the recording of uh, episode 43 this week. They're off. But they've won three straight games. And they have improved defensively. And there's three games remaining at Kansas next Saturday. And uh, then they've got uh, Iowa State here and then at Kansas State. And we all know how tough Manhattan, Kansas is for Texas. So, if they went out, um, it's – a very high percentage that they will make the Big 12 title game in Arlington. If they make the Big 12 title game, just making it, not winning it, with an 8-2 and two record, let's say, would you guys, would your perception change about Tom Herman moving forward?
1: I don't think mine would change. Uh, just because I've, you know, I've had you know, even a direct experience with Coach Herman giving back, you know, my Sam Houston days. Right. I don't think mine would change over him because for the mere fact, you know, it goes back to what I said earlier. It, I just think Coach Herman is more suited for a coordinator position. Yeah. Instead of a, you know, if he – in order for him to secure his job, I think he needs to win the Big 12. He has to win sure. it.
0: That's I fair. Think if he
1: goes there and doesn't win, I think for the University of Texas, that is not a good season you know winning big 12 and perhaps getting into the you know the playoff bid is the way they see a successful season given the standards that's been set for the university of texas i just think him going there and losing i really think that his job is not secure in a position where he think he can be there another year <clears throat> i just don't think so
0: i but uh, dave do you have a another perspective on that
2: uh, i don't in the sense that you know i don't personally know uh, tom Herman, but uh, you know I, I just think from what he's projected out on the TV from what you've seen in interviews you know i can i can kind of agree with coach mo but again you know i'm i'm kind of speaking out of turn here as far as the, I, my expertise isn't in this but <laughs> like i said at the beginning of this i just if you get rid of him then you you're, you're starting that cycle and keeping it like well, we want we want perfection no later than year four. Well, then quit giving these guys five- and six-year contracts. Give them, give them a two-year. Okay, hey, you know, and, and, and maybe sets the boundaries a little bit smaller. Hey, here's what we're looking for in year one. But by year two, we need to see this. And by year three, we need to see this. It's not about the week. It's about how you're progressing the actual program. Right.
0: I get it. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but doing even this-
2: if he was to leave and then he would get fired? Who's to replace them? I have no idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you going
1: to – yeah, but, you know, given UT's, you, you know, how they are, they're going to try to throw the dollars at whoever they can try to get that's available, that's
2: big time. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Texas is known for money-whipping people.
2: <laughs> remember, the, remember that rumor years ago when it was like, oh, well, Nick Saban's wife is with the yeah. realtor like Lake, Lake yeah. Austin. We're getting Saban. I'm like, wait, what?
0: that's hilarious well the only concern out of the bye week uh, a lot of people they you know a lot of people focus a little I don't know the the rotation at running back uh player rotation uh during this three-game win streak uh a lot of people question why the freshman from Arizona where Dave has some roots uh Bijan Robinson why is he not getting the bulk of the carries this is what Tom Herman had to say about Bijan against uh, after West after the West Virginia win on why he may or may not be receiving the majority of the carries. I don't think anything uh, with Bijan other than you know he's not used to you know a 20-25 carry day, and, and we've got a very very capable uh, player uh, alongside of him in, in Roshan Johnson too. And uh, we've also got another weapon in the backfield in the run game and in, in our quarterback too. So it uh, that, that was not anything other than keeping him fresh and not putting too much weight on his shoulders. I have to side with Tom Herman on that. He is a freshman. He's learning the game each week. I believe he only had 12 carries, but he was very electric against West Virginia. He's shown why he was one of the top running backs in the nation coming out of high school. Does that offensive oh, that rotation at the running back position, does that bother you with guys at all, or do you think he's on be guy?
1: I'm a little biased when it comes to, you know, rotating players, you know, because I'm a former player. So right. I have my own personal beliefs about that, you know, because given the running back position, you have some running backs that are electrifying and, you know, all they need is one carry, two carries, and, you know, they can get hot real quick. And then you have those sums that, you know, they're, they're more like your patient runners. As the game go, they get better and better and better and better. Uh, it, you know, it depends on you know, the scheme of the system. You know, UT has – let's face it, UT UT's scheme is, is based off Sam Elliger having a really successful game, you know, because he is the workhorse and everything filters off him. You know, if he's off – then pretty much the whole team is kind of off and not on point. Uh, so with that being said, it, you know, it, it really depends on the style of what they're going for. Cause you know, certain games, you know, UT is hurry up quick, fast. And then other games they're kind of, all right, we're going to throw the ball more than what we normally do, you know, which I I don't get because to me, when I think of Texas football, I think of smash mountain and we're going to run the ball and, you know, beat it down your throat until you stop us,
0: Dave. Have you at the bar at cover three? Have you heard a lot of uh, I see, um, I guess some words emitted from Texas fans watching games, which you just you're laughing on the inside, like oh my god, where's the logic here?
2: <laughs> well, you know, again, like I said, the, the fans are very fickle, but at the same time, they're very passionate, yeah. Um, I wish I could talk more on the whole running back situation. Uh, Like I said, I've rarely seen any UT football this year, uh, just because COVID, short staff, and and we're just doing what we can to. Right.
0: You ain't missing out. (laughs) Hey, you guys are missing out, though. Stephen F. Austin five-game win streak. Uh (laughs) Hey how we usually wrap things up. I mean, this, this is a fun part. We, we need, we love getting to know our guest a little more. And Dave Ramirez, you're from Arizona, correct? Arizona, born and raised, raised Arizona. Give us a brief rundown about your history growing up in Arizona and then add your, your man cave story. And I know there's several. If you don't tell me, I'm going to ask your wife, Rob. (laughs)
2: <laughs> my man cave story all right way to put me on the spot there um, <laughs> so, so first of all um you know growing up in arizona one thing i will always tell everybody because i'm like oh when are you are you gonna ever go back no it's too damn hot out there <laughs> you know i lived through one of the hottest summers out there in the mid 90s and it was at 123 degrees
0: good uh, we
2: we literally took ice cubes and we would throw them down the sidewalk just to watch them melt um, I had a black truck in high school, and I remember just after going to lunch, coming back after lunch, and I just leaned on the foot of my truck and burnt my arm.
0: Oh my god!
2: From the black paint of my truck, it was just horrendous. Uh, loved growing up in Arizona, though. You know, honestly, when you live there and you're growing up, I grew up in uh, Mesa. I actually went to Mesa High School, and we were the Jackrabbits, and we had the Mountain View uh, Toros, and uh, we had some really good football players come out of there. Vice uh, Sikahema used to come to the Mesa High Games and sit oh, on wow. the sideline. Yeah, so he knew a lot of guys over there. Um, actually, my neighbors growing up, the Castillos, uh, Danny and Arthur and Andy, all went to go play for uh, Arizona State University. Uh, they were some big boys. and you know, yeah, I thought I was a big kid, not even close to what these kids were. Um, I actually went to high school with Robert Oakham. Oh, wow. One with uh, the bowl with uh, it was the 99 Rams, I believe. Mm-hmm. saint louis Rangers. um so yeah a lot of a lot of good players came out of uh, arizona um great fun times but to so for me to ever go back there and live there whoo no way it's just too damn hot uh, to as even where people are like well the humidity and i don't care i'll take the humidity over the day
0: well so, i have to I, interrupt uh, you though i have to interrupt you real quick coach mo and uh the listeners a, a happy belated Veterans Day to you. Thank you for serving our country.
1: Absolutely, brother.
2: Same here, Thank you.
1: Salute to you. Yes, absolutely. Oh, so there's a big uh, – my mom stays in Avondale, Arizona. Isn't there a big military base somewhere? Is it in Avondale where that big military base is? I think it's an Army military base that's there.
2: No, not that I know of it. There was an Air Force base. So like when my dad came back from Vietnam, he was stationed uh, in Mesa. Oh, okay, I, I, I don't even remember the name of the Air Force base anymore. Um, but, you know, my parents were from Texas. And then when he got back from Vietnam, uh, he was stationed there. And they, my mom just stayed there.
0: Oh, yeah. Cool. Very nice. That,
2: that, uh, you know, yeah, so, so when I left, I left at 18 and I joined the military. I was in the 82nd over in uh, Fort Bragg. Oh, nice. Uh, and then, uh, I came back to Arizona and then I started with Z when I got back out of the army, started with Z Taos and out in Phoenix and got to know all the boys. And then, uh, 11 years later, I came over here to cover three and I've been here nine years, uh, November 28th, uh, will be nine years. And actually today, today is Cover three Anderson Lane's birthday. Today we're 12 years old. Oh, happy birthday.
1: Cover three. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: It'll take you Twelve years today. That's amazing. I, I I remember I was in Oklahoma City at the time, and I remember we were planning to come back and have a little get together for friends and family in Austin, just to, and that's where we went. You know, we chose it. I I'd all, I'd heard about it. You guys opened it up, right? Doug and Katie Young and all of the all that team, just class acts, and they're super. Hey, fatherless super fatherless fatherless as, yeah, as, as you love.
1: are.
0: Man Cave story time, would you – is there one involving cover three or during your time serving our country in the military? I know the military boys oh, got some boy. stories. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to keep
2: it a secret. He like, I don't I, I, what are you telling me? <laughs> I, I, got, I got plenty of them. Uh, all right, well, uh, all I, right, well, I, well I'll, I'll give you – uh, No, I don't even know if I could say that. <laughs> I got them you a Your brothers don't want you to tell that one. <laughs> All right, so I, I'll give you one real quick. So uh, over at, in Fort Bragg with the 82nd, I was with Charlie Company, second of the 325 Airborne Infantry Regiment. And uh, one of the things we were known for, so on our, our arm patch, it was a double A for yeah. All-American. And uh, it was also known as uh, Alcoholics Anonymous because <laughs> we could, we could out-drink pretty much anybody. And so one night specifically, we, everybody got up and, you know, we went out and partied and came back. It's up at midnight, one o'clock. Well, on base there at Fort Bragg, well, you were able to go get alcohol 24-7. You just drove down to the PX and you could go in at three o'clock in the morning and buy another bottle. So we just decided, hey, we're just going to stay up and drink all night. Well, we stayed up and drank all night. Now it's 5 a.m., 5.30. Alarms are going off. First call at 6, first formation uh, at 6.30, and then we're going for, for PT. Now, we're all hammered. We are not feeling good, but we did it a lot. You know, we always ran, and even if we were drunk still. And uh, so we had this We had this one guy. So we're running, 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 and we look back, and we're like, where's Pitts? Uh, Jeremy Pitts, our, our buddy. Like, where's he at? like, oh, man, he, did he fall out of the run? We're like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. We'll just go. And we get back to the barracks. You know, we're, you know, covered in sweat or stinking. And we look over and I see uh, Pitts in his room. We're just like, where did you go? What what happened? He just looks up and he goes, I shit myself when I was running. So I just
0: came back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, baby. Hey, Mo, that is back-to-back weeks (laughs) with a shit theme. With a shit theme, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one, man. You know, there's more where that came from, I'm sure. I know you and I, you have shared a couple of stories uh, during our gatherings at uh, Cover 3 in, 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 uh, you know, the recent history of the last three or four years. Uh, There's been some fun ones. And speaking of Cover 3, man, before we put a wrap on Episode 43 – uh, there is a potential that uh, Dave will be a, more of a present figure. We're trying to work out a partnership deal and uh, we, cause we love to team up and if not uh, we definitely want to include uh cover three and partnerships for children, as far as who we support here at stories inside the man cave. So as we like to say, stay tuned, because uh, we're working on to improve this podcast and oh, make yeah. it more marketable for many people. And we'd love to keep it local with people like uh, Dave Ramirez and the Cover Three family. Dave, yeah. uh, how we like to wrap up things here and stories. Of it, the Coach Monkey? Absolutely, Thank you, brother. Thank you, bro. We gotta, man. We
1: gotta go have a drink or two here in the near future, brother. Bourbon, bourbon. Yeah. Yeah, we ain't doing that other stuff. We doing bourbon.
0: <laughs> For the absent big Mike and Coach Mo. We out.
1: Wake your ass up. Come and get it. We good, player.